Uh, If you have your copy of God's Word open to Colossians, you will find our passage today in verses 13 and 14. I apologize, there's, there's no notes on the screen today. I, I got all of that prepared, I put it all together, and then I left it at home. Um, so that didn't really help all of us. So uh, you'll have to follow around, you'll have to, to tune your ear for, for the points. If you're, if you're taking points, I'll try to make it as obvious as can be. But this morning, I want us to consider um, how we can be forgiven in Christ. How we can be forgiven in Christ. And if you have uh, Colossians chapter 1 open, our passage today that we'll be uh, emphasizing and looking at is verses 13 and 14. But before I go there and read that text for you, I I want us to, to think about this concept of guilt, of being guilty. Now, my mom had this trick, and I didn't know it at the time, But I thought that she just knew everything. I thought she was some kind of ninja because my mom could always find out what I had done wrong. And here's what she would do. I would come in, and she would just look at me, and she'd go, Bobby, did you want to tell me what you've done? (laughs) Mom, I did. And I would spill the beans. Um, I didn't realize that she didn't know these things beforehand. She just knew I was probably guilty of something. And so she would just ask the question. Now, I've tried it with my kids, and it doesn't work. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't work for them like it would work for me. But I'm not the only one that has struggled and dealt with guilt. In fact, God has made us in such a way that we all experience guilt. We all experience uh, that we know that there is an ought that we should do and that we haven't done it. Sometimes we understand the weight of what that means. And so um, we have, as humans, come up with all kinds of different ways to deal with guilt, to to try to deal with it. I was thinking about it. I've got some listed here. Um, The the first is, is probably the oldest, it's uh, Operation Fig Leaf. And that is when we sin, we try to cover it up and act like nothing happened. Can you imagine Adam and Eve in the garden that they've, they've sinned, they've realized that they're sin, they realize that they're naked, and so they, they take fig leaves and they cover themselves up and they, they try to pretend like God's not going to know? Doesn't work, does it? The, the, the second way that... that we try to deal with guilt is, is also found from that, that story of Adam and Eve and the first sin being introduced into the human race. And that is as we blame the other person or we try to blame God. And so when God confronts Adam about his sin, Adam says, it's that woman that you gave me that's the problem. Y'all are laughing, but we do the same thing, don't we? Another tactic is, uh, is, is, is we try to rationalize, right? We say, um, it, it wasn't really that wrong. Or, or we say, you know, everybody does it. I can't be that wrong. Another way that we try to hide our guilt is with time and inertia, <laughs> If I just ignore it, maybe everyone will forget. 
Yet another method that, that we use often is we attack those who accuse us of wrongdoing. Well, how can you say that to me? Have you seen what you do? As though somehow our guilt and our sin is, is no longer counts. Friends, the problem is, is that your guilt and your sin isn't primarily against that other person. It is before a holy and a righteous God. We like to compare you know, sure, I get angry, but I don't, I don't go off and kill people. I mean, they're the real sinners. We, uh, we try to balance this by saying, you know what, even though I've, I've, I've done that, I really am good, so I guess my good is, is outweighing my bad. I, if I can just be good enough to outweigh the bad things, have you ever thought that or heard that? That doesn't take care of the guilt. It doesn't take care of our sin. There's an even more brazen approach where individuals will simply deny guilt. Eh, you're, just trying to, you're just trying to feel guilty about something that you shouldn't. Everybody does it. It's, it's okay. You shouldn't feel guilty. There's no such thing as guilt. Guilt is just a, a construct of, of your social uh, network. That doesn't fly in light of what the Bible says about God being our creator, about God saying this is right and this is wrong, about God saying follow me. We all deal with this. We all have approaches to try to deal with our guilt. We all have different approaches to try to get rid of it. And and the, the truth of it is, is that we all carry guilt as a burden. All of us, and we should, because we have all sinned. The, the question is not how do, we, how do we try to hide our guilt? How do we try to avoid our guilt? How do we try to misdirect the guilt? The question is how can we be forgiven? How can we be forgiven? That's the topic of our passage today. If you have Colossians chapter 1, let me read for you here just these two verses. <coughs> Chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, it says, He, this is speaking of, uh, uh, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. God here has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Would you pray with me? Father, Oh, Lord, today, I pray that you would be in this room amongst these words that, Father, even outside of this room, to those who may be listening on the radio, Lord, would we know that today is a day that you have appointed for us to hear these words, that we would realize today There is redemption available. There is forgiveness available. Lord, help us today not to try to hide our sins, not to try to rationalize our sins, but, Father, to honestly deal with our sins the way you would have us to do. Give us 
wisdom. Give us ears to hear. Give us your spirit today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This text that we're coming to, just to set it up a little bit, this is, this is, a pra- this is Paul's uh, speaking of the prayers that, that they are offering for these Colossians. If you remember, Paul has never been here. He, um, he is familiar with the church by the one who founded the church, who was a disciple of Paul. The church has been going through a lot of trouble of false teachers, which is what we'll see as we go through the letter. Paul writes early on here in this letter to assure them that they are praying for them. They know of their situation and they are thankful for their reception of the gospel. They are thankful for their adherence to the gospel, especially in light of all of the false teaching that surrounds them. And here he assures them of their salvation, of that which Jesus Christ has done. As we look through this letter, we're focusing on this concept, this idea of being in Christ, as Paul is going to write over and over and over again of how they are in Christ, of what that means to be in Christ, of of what having Christ in you and through you and for you means, how it defines your life, how it saves you how it reconciles you. And today we're going to see he uses these two words here that you are redeemed and forgiven in Christ. What an amazing concept. What an amazing concept. I have two overarching points here that I want us to see. The first is that to be forgiven in Christ, you must perceive your desperate condition. You must first recognize the condition that you are in. It seems logical, right, for anybody to want to be saved from a situation. They first have to acknowledge and realize danger in the situation, right? And so the question that I have for you is, do you realize that you need a Savior? Do you realize that you need a Savior? Look at Colossians Verse 13, chapter 113, it says, For he rescued, there's, there's Savior language, right? God rescued us from the domain, literally the, the idea here is the authority of darkness. He rescued us and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. The first thing that I want you to see in, in, in realizing that we have to perceive, we have to understand our, our condition, is that without Jesus, we are born in darkness. We are under this darkness. We need transferred into the kingdom of Christ because we are within the kingdom of darkness, as Paul talks about it right here. Darkness in the Bible has uh, some, some different meanings, spiritual darkness, this concept, this idea. One way that we can think about it is spiritual ignorance. You, you just don't know. Your, your, your understanding is darkened because you haven't been brought to light, to the light of the understanding. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18 says it like this. He, he says that the Gentiles are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. So that's one way in which without Jesus, we are in darkness. We are in spiritual darkness. We don't understand our condition because it hasn't been brought to light. We struggle with this guilt, but we don't understand the solution. 
Another way that we see darkness in the Bible is that it pictures sin. It pictures the, our, our participation in that spiritual darkness, in that ignorance. Uh, Romans 13 verse 12 says, Therefore, let us set, lay aside the deeds of darkness, the deeds of darkness, so our participation in sin, and put on the armor of light. He goes on in that passage in, in Romans chapter 13 and lists a bunch of different types of sin that we participate in. A bunch of types of sin that would cause us to have guilt. But even more prevalent than this, the Bible uses darkness in the New Testament as a, a way to represent a realm, if you would. A, a, a realm of that's representative of Satan's domain. I think that's a better way to understand this text. We need to be transferred in realms. We are in the realm of darkness under the influence, the ignorance, the participation in darkness, in sinfulness, and we need to be transferred to the kingdom of Christ to the realm of Christ. Do you see that? Do you see the opposition here? Do you see where Paul says you currently reside without Jesus? The, the Bible talks about this <clears throat> concept in Ephesians chapter 6, right before that passage that we're all familiar with, where we're told to put on the armor of God. Paul says this, he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. You see, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where uh, though Jesus has come and Jesus has died for our sins, and, and Jesus says that, uh, that we can, can live for him and through him. Things are not fully restored yet. We have this darkness all around us, this cultural darkness, this sinfulness. Friends, do you realize that? Do you realize your participation? Do you realize without Christ, without Christ, you are in this realm of darkness. This is the, the picture that's, that's given here. It's, it's desperate and it's hopeless. You are in darkness. This is why we feel guilty because sin is real. And because we've participated in it. That's the bad news. But there's good news. There's, there's good news. The good news is that there is forgiveness, that there is this transfer. Notice here that the, the passage says that God can rescue us. Look at the passage. It says that He transfers us from darkness into light. And so that's the second thing that we have to realize is that we have to realize that we need rescued from this present darkness, from this sinfulness, from this condition and this place and this realm in which we find ourselves. We need to be rescued and we need to be put in the kingdom of Christ. There is a kingdom of Christ. There is a kingdom of God. There is salvation. There is hope. But it's different from where you've been. 
Verse 13, he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. You know, there's something interesting here also, and that is what Jesus says is there's no in-between kingdom. You're, you're either in the kingdom of darkness or you're in the kingdom of the beloved Son. You're in the kingdom of Christ. There is no in-between. If you do not have faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, there is no third, no middle ground. You can say all day long, I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not as bad as that guy, but that guy is not the measurement by which God looks upon us and God says whether or not we are justified. We're justified not by what we would do or that it would be better than that guy, but because we've all sinned, we all need to trust in Christ. That is where forgiveness is found. We need to be transferred. God here is not just passive God just doesn't make an immigration plan to this new kingdom. He rescues us. God is actively involved. He provided a Savior for us. He actively, through His Spirit, is, is working to call you and to convict you and to show you of where you are in this realm of darkness and that you need Jesus. You need to turn to Him. You need to follow Him. That you need a rescue. Do you hear him? Have you heard him? You need a rescue. Your current condition is that you are in this realm of darkness, this sinfulness. You have sinned. You are guilty. But there's forgiveness. Have you heard him? God is working to trance for us. He is working to call us. He, he is at work. What a beautiful picture we have here. I love this picture that, that God rescues us. He transfers us to the kingdom of His Son. So the first thing, if we're going to be forgiven, that we have to realize is we have to recognize our condition. We have to to recognize where we're at. We have to honestly look and say, this isn't good. I need saved. We have to acknowledge that God is at work, that there is a kingdom, that we can follow Christ, that we can receive this transfer from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Christ. The second thing is that to do so, to be transferred, we have to embrace God's solution. We have to embrace God's solution. God has made a solution here in which we can be delivered. Look at the passage again. It says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God's solution here involves two things. It says, redemption and forgiveness. Redemption and forgiveness. I want us to think about these two words for a moment. When we hear the word redemption in our current context, we think of church, right? We think of, we think of redemption primarily as a, as a churchy word, as a, as a Christian word. In the first century, 
when you heard redemption, you primarily would have thought of the picture of a slave being redeemed and freed. Slavery was very different than what we think about as slavery in, in America. Uh, lots of slaves, if, if you, if, 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 during this day, if you couldn't pay your debts, you were, you were given to the debtor as a slave. There were lots of other ways that slavery happened, but it was somewhat common that individuals would earn their freedom back, that redemption would be made, that, that, that whatever that was owed could be justified and settled and that someone could gain their freedom. And so when Paul writes here and says that we have redemption in Jesus, what he is saying is you are a slave to that kingdom of darkness. You are a slave to sin. You are a slave to all of that. You have no hope, but God redeemed you. He set you free. I like. I like the word when we start thinking about it like that. God has redeemed us. He has paid the ransom. And we know that this comes through what Jesus has done, that Jesus makes possible the forgiveness of our sins. Uh, It's interesting, if you have a King James Version, that's actually added here. It says redemption through His blood. Manuscript evidence shows that probably at some point, um, somebody that was copying, working on the texts said, all right, we need a little explanation here. We're redeemed. And they got excited and said, through his blood. They, they added that. It's not wrong. It's exactly how it's happened, but it's almost like a, a, a parenthetical note that's put in there through his blood. We are redeemed through the blood. God's solution to our sinfulness. God's solution is not for you to get better. The solution for you to acknowledge that you're in the kingdom of darkness, that you're guilty of sin, that you're under the wrath of a just God is not for God to say, all right, clean up your act. You realize that? Our message as we talk to others who are far from God, who are under this domain of darkness, who, who have darkness to spiritual things, who live in darkness, who are, are, are slaves to this sinfulness. The message is not get cleaned up. The message is you need Jesus. He has done it all. Do you believe that? Do you realize that? We can't earn our salvation. If we did, it wouldn't be grace. We're saved by grace through faith, by trusting in this redemption, by trusting in this work that God has done on our behalf to transfer us from the realm of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son, the kingdom of Christ. We have redemption. There is redemption. Listen to this beautiful verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He who knew no sin, he made sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. How does God save us? Through Jesus. As Jesus is on the cross, as Jesus is dying, Jesus is not just a man hanging on a cross, being beaten and dying a horrible, miserable death. It was all of those things. But the real impact that's going on, the real thing that's going on is is the spiritual transfer that's taking place that Jesus Christ, the Holy One, the Son of God, the Messiah, 
is on the cross being punished for sin that's not his. It's mine. It's yours. So that if we come and we acknowledge and we trust in him, our sins, our guilt, the things that we've done, we can be redeemed because Jesus bore the weight of our sin on himself for us. That's the good news. That's the amazing story. That's my hope. I hope it's yours. My trust is not in what I will do. My trust is not that that I can get good enough to get out of this kingdom of darkness. My trust is not that I can do enough good to outweigh the bad that I've done. My trust is that I was helpless, I was hopeless, I was in the kingdom of darkness, and Jesus Christ came, and Jesus Christ suffered and bled and died in my place, that God put my punishment on Him, that He would save me. That's an amen moment, people. That's our trust. We have been redeemed. Paul goes on and he uses the word forgiveness. We are forgiven. It's interesting if you study uh, the Pauline corpus. See, I went to seminary. I know some big words. If you study, if you study the works of Paul, he very rarely uses this word forgiveness. He, he very rarely does, but there's one very interesting way that he uses this word forgiveness that coincides very closely with what he has just talked about, about, being, about God transferring us from this domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. And it's Paul's very own testimony. It's Paul's very own testimony. If you if you're taking notes, write down this passage and go look at it later. It's, it's Acts 26, verses 12 through 18. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it just to bring it out. But, but, but listen to this, especially when we get to the end. This is the way Paul talks about his very own personal, per, his very own testimony about how Jesus came to him, how he realized that he needed the forgiveness of sins, the redemption of Jesus to be transferred from this kingdom of ignorance and darkness into faith in Jesus Christ. This is, what he, this is what he says in Acts 26. He says, In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus. So he's talking about he, he's going to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priests. So he's being sent as a Jew by the priests to go and arrest Christians. At midday, O king, I saw the way, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun. It shone all around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. But rise up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as the servant, as witness to those things that you have seen in, you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you. Verse 18, now listen carefully. To open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive 
forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by me in faith. Boy, that sure sounds like our passage we're reading in Colossians, doesn't it? From darkness to light. From the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light to be fully forgiven. Forgiveness means to be released from a debt. In our case, that debt is sins. The sinfulness which we have participated in. God could have saved us by many different means, I would guess. It's it's hard to imagine because I'm not God, but the way that God chose to save us and the way in which you must respond to Jesus is to come to Him and say, to recognize that you are a sinner, that you need forgiveness, and to see that through Jesus Christ and what He did in His life, death, and resurrection was to make a way for your sins, your sinfulness, to be forgiven to be redeemed, to be forgiven. That is the solution to our guilt. Because we're guilty. We all have sinned. Are you trusting in Him? Redemption and forgiveness are both found only in Jesus Christ, only in trusting in Him. You can't do anything to earn this redemption. You can't do anything to earn this forgiveness. It's grace. It's grace. That's the good news. Let me read from you from Ephesians chapter 2. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked. You were part of that kingdom of darkness. Following the prince of the power of the spirit of air. Now at work in the sons of disobedience, you were, you were, you were fully in that kingdom of darkness. Friends, there's a reason sinners sin. I know it's baffling. Because we're part of that system. We are sinners. We can't expect sinners to not be sinners. Are you with me? Paul's very realistic here. The Bible's very realistic about it. The message is not go and clean yourself up. The message is turn to Jesus. Recognize where you are. Recognize what you've done and ask Him for forgiveness. He'll clean you up afterwards. You'll have new desires, new affections. You'll want to follow Him. You'll want to please Him. Those things will get made right. But the first thing you've got to deal with is not cleaning up. It's coming to Jesus. Redemption, forgiveness. It comes through trusting in Him. Uh, Ephesians goes on. It says, Among whom we once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. We were sinners. Verse 4. Two of the most beautiful words in all of the Bible. But God. That's the, the, the bad news was you're a sinner. You've participated in sin. You've heaped up guilt upon yourself. The good news is but God. 
God did not leave us there. God did not judge us immediately. God made possible grace. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when you were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. Not by works. Not by being better than the other guy. Not by never sinning but by grace, by trusting in Jesus as the source of redemption and is the source of forgiveness. Believing in Christ. Believing in the sacrifice of the cross. Believing in Him is the source of forgiveness. There's a famous gravestone at a cemetery in New York and um, I have a picture of it. <laughs> it has no name on it. It has no dates on it of when the person lived. It has one word, forgiven. Friends, that's the most important word that we could have over our life. Have you been forgiven in Christ? Have you trusted in Him as your Savior? Have you followed Jesus? Have you come to a point where all that I've said, where you can recognize and say, I am a sinner and I need the Savior? It's not more complicated than that. It's not more complicated than that. And you say, but pastor, you don't know what I've done. I don't care. Jesus is greater. You say, but, but pastor, my life is a, is a mess right now. Jesus can make it better. Whatever it is today that the kingdom of darkness is holding on to you, is trying to pull you back and trying to say, not today, not now, right now is the time. Trust in Christ. Whether you're here in this room or you're listening on the radio or you listen to this recording later on, right now, you can trust in Christ. We're going to have an invitation. And as we do, there's a few ways in which I want to invite you to respond. First of all, if you say, today, I want to follow Jesus I, I want to trust in Him. I've, I've heard the gospel. I know the gospel. I know the good news. I realize that I need Him. I need to trust in Him. I want to be forgiven. Oh, friends, what a wonderful thing. We would love to celebrate that with you. You can come forward and speak to me. Perhaps you have questions. You can come and ask me questions. I would love to help you and pray for you. Perhaps you know you've been forgiven but you're still holding a lot of guilt. There are things in your life that you still haven't confessed, that you've been trying to hold back from God. Guilt in your life that's eating you apart. Friends, uh, forgiveness is not just when we come to Christ. Repentance is not just when we come to Christ. It is ongoing as we live with Him. Today, if the Holy Spirit's convicting you of something in your life that you need to get with God and you need to get right, would you pray to Him and would you ask Him to forgive you for that thing? He will. 
Let me pray and then respond as the Lord calls. Father, right now, Father, in this room, with those who hear my voice, I know there are many, many who need forgiveness. Many who need forgiveness initially to trust in Jesus Christ, to forgive them, and and those who are holding guilt, those who are holding sins, those who are trying to hide from you, trying to cover up, trying to uh, allow time and inertia just to deal with it. Father, may we have a spirit right now of forgiveness. Lord, may we seek to be redeemed. May we seek to lay it all before you that you would transfer us from this kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your Son that we may follow Jesus for there is no other way. Oh Lord, I just pray now that as I finish speaking, your Spirit would continue. I pray, Father, that, that none of us, none of us would continue to live accepting and trying to hide guilt, but we would trust in salvation that you have made possible for us. Lord, help us now to respond to your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.